This is Jatsu Sinesi, and you're listening to the Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. here with you again to bring another wonderful person whose story you need to hear. And I'm especially excited about this Dream Chaser because she is doing some fun things, but she's also doing a service for other people who I think are dream chasers and who she's uh, called overachieving do-gooders before. So, you know, it caught my eye and we've been talking and I'm so happy she's here. Her name is Dr. Jatu Senesi. She's an obstetrician gynecologist who retired from clinical practice in an attempt to find balance between maintaining her sense of well-being and living a life of service. She started her business, Essence of Strength, because she realized many altruistic overachievers, particularly women in medicine, invest a lot of time, talent, and treasure learning to give exceptional care to others and never learn to care for themselves properly. Through individual coaching, speaking, and workshops, Jatu helps clients learn how to implement the self-care strategies necessary to support personal and professional achievement and well-being. And she's here today to help us find that balance, guys. So, Jatu, how are you? I am well, Amy. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the podcast. You know, when I heard what you were doing, I thought, you know what, that is a very important lesson that we all need to learn because, you know, we can get so lost in what we're doing that we forget to take care of ourselves. Absolutely. I think that actually for many altruistic people I know, it's not even so much that you forget to take care of yourself. It never even crosses never gets on your radar as a thing that's important to do. Is that a self-sacrificing thing or just naturally it just happens to fall off? I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there are some people who truly never even conceive of taking care of themselves and they just are always thinking about taking care of other people. There are those who consider taking care of themselves, but when they compare when it conflicts with taking care of someone else, they will always pick the other person. So because they think it's somehow selfish to consider taking care of themselves. Whereas my thought process is, and what I try to get people to consider, is that you are much better able to care for other people when you are well cared for yourself. Let's talk a minute about how you figure this out. I mean, you are a practicing obstetrician gynecologist. I think you did that, what, six years or something? And so did you just have an epiphany or were you just seeing the signs everywhere and felt like you needed to do something? I, I ignored the signs for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where, you know, you get the little tap on the shoulder and you ignore it and then you get a smack across the face and you still ignore it. And then <laughs> you kind of have to be completely like knocked down and dragged out. And then you're like, okay, maybe I should t- pay attention to this. So I had signs 
over the years that maybe the path that I was on was not the best for my well-being. But again, like I was saying um, earlier, you don't necessarily consider your well-being as an important thing because you're doing good work. And I had, I was a type A person and I had my plan A. And I adhered to plan A and I followed all the plans and I did everything the way I was supposed to. And my thought was, okay, once I get to the end of this whole training process, I will get to a point where it will all be great. So I, st- so I kind of ignored the signs thinking, well, this is just temporary and once I'm going to get to a point where it's all good. And once I got through to the point where it was all supposed to be good and I realized it still wasn't, I recognized that some change needed to happen. So that's basically what took me out of um, clinical medicine. The issue was initially I was looking to change external things because well, it's, exactly. that's the easiest thing to change, right? Exactly. And you never think about, because you're like, okay, I, plan, I did plan A. I have to come up with some plan B. And I truly did not, I'd never thought that I needed a plan B. So I never learned how to develop a plan B. So I was like, well, let me just try what that person did for plan B. So when that person stopped practicing medicine, they started doing this. Or these people with the same kinds of interests and skills that I have do this. So I went through some time of just trying to do different things. I moved, I changed my job, I did all these things, and I still realized that I got to a place where externally, again, it probably looked like I had a nice, happy, satisfied, much more chilled out life than I had as an OBGYN. However, I still did not have that sense of satisfaction that I saw, that I really wanted to have. And that's when I realized, okay, it's not external. I have to start internally and work out. And so that's kind of how I got to this place of self-care and well-being because that's when I realized, okay, I still want to help people. I want to be of service. But if I haven't figured out how to best support my own well-being, I'm just going to continue to get into this cycle of burnout and, um, and stress. Well, let's ask the, the big question. Are, are you happy now? I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the important thing. So yeah. clearly you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the beauty of it is for me that it's not like every single day it's like rainbows and butterflies. However, I'm much better now at recognizing when I'm starting to veer off and correcting Whereas before, I would start to veer off, and I would be completely in a ditch before I realized something had to get better. I'm much better equipped to recognize when something is not right and to start implementing some strategies to get to course correct. Whereas before, I just, I didn't really, I wasn't great about course correcting before things got completely off um, course. Now, guys, uh, Jatu did a talk a TED Talk, actually, uh, TEDx, at the University of Maryland. And the links will be in the show notes. Uh, so don't even worry about that. It'll be there, and I'll give the address later. Um, and she did it, and it was entitled Writing Your Own Wellness Story. And it's a wonderful talk. It's about 12, 13 minutes long. You guys should check it out. Again, it's on the show notes page. Jatu, you, you said an amazing quote that really stuck with me after watching it, and it was by Socrates. Do you remember what that quote was? Yes. It is the unexamined life is not worth living. And that was kind of when I recognized the truth of that statement was when I really 
was able to make the changes in my life that support my well-being in a consistent way. Because, again, rather than looking externally to fix my life and fit into a certain picture, I had to examine my life and examine what things in my life were working for me and what things were not supporting my well-being. And from there, adjust my life to make it such that it supported my well-being, as opposed to saying, I'm going to make this change and it automatically is going to fix everything. There are certain things, Amy, that you will do that will work well for you that absolutely will not work well for me. That doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it works well for you and it doesn't work well for me. So I encourage people to examine what actually works well for you, what supports your well-being, what gives you that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction, regardless of what people around you might say, regardless of how it may seem like it doesn't work with what your goals and big picture are, think about what brings you fulfillment and satisfaction and then build your life around that. That's what I, that's what I encourage folks to do. And when would you recommend that they start doing that? Is there an age thing? Is it a, when you start feeling a certain way or should they just be doing it every day? I encourage folks to do that every day. I, I really think that that kind of reflection is important the earlier you do, you do it in life. I've spoken to college students, as I did at that TEDx talk. I've spoken to incoming freshmen who are basically high school students who, it's very interesting because they truly, they never conceived of that. They were still very much in the achievement, achievement, achievement. These were uh, students who were very high achieving in, in um, STEM areas. They were ha- in college with this scholarship and they're just like, I have to get A's, I have to do this. And again, when I, as I mentioned earlier, there were times in my life where I maybe ignored the signs. Even going back as far as college, I rec- recognized that there were times when, okay, this is the reason why I was kind of not in a great place during this period because I was stressing myself out and stressing myself out and not giving myself permission to relax and realize it and not recognizing that relaxing or having some sort of outlet would actually help me to focus more on my studies. So I encourage people, no matter what age you are, because whether you're five or whether you're 55, there are things in your life that bring you fulfillment and satisfaction. And five-year-olds are probably much more comfortable doing the things that bring them fulfillment and satisfaction. They don't overthink it. And I think the younger you are in recognizing that, you can kind of design your life in a way that allows you to put that in your life. Now, you just said something interesting, and it was permission. Yes. It's, it's a very powerful word. And sometimes I think we forget that you have to give yourself, and, and I've, I think I've said it before on the show for, for different people, you have to give yourself permission to dream, allow yourself to, to be happy and figure that out. Do you find that people have a hard time giving themselves permission? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, because we have, a lot of times, we have an idea of what is supposed to happen for certain things to, how you have an idea of what you're supposed to do in order for certain things to occur in your life. And if for, for some reason you have an idea in your head that doesn't quite fit into that box that you've already come up with, it's hard to convince yourself that this idea that you have that comes from your spirit 
is right. And rather than listening to yourself and your gut and your intuition, you listen to what other people say or you listen to your head more than you listen to your to your gut. I always uh, I always joke that I let my head talk, I let my heart talk, I let my gut make the final decision. I take input from everywhere else, however, when there's a tie, my gut makes the final decision. And I think sometimes, especially people who are overachievers in academics, we tend to, we, we get caught up in our head and we overthink things. And so listening to our gut, listening to our spirit, listening to what actually brings us fulfillment and satisfaction forces us to sometimes override the logic in our head and go with what actually will work best for us. And a lot, I mean, because a lot of our life, right, um, you were talking about how things are kind of in order. Um, grade school, mm-hmm. high school, college, right? Th- those, it's kind of lined out for us. Exactly. And so you're kind of expected, and, and maybe even you have, you've been told what kind of career you should be following in your life, and maybe you've pursued that, you know, through college, and then you, you change your mind. You're like, I can't. I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. It's just not right for me to change. And then there are some people I know who struggle with the idea of college. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, it's very difficult to say um, college isn't for me. I mean, that's a very big statement. And disclaimer, I'm not telling you all you have to go to college. And I'm not saying don't go to college. I think that's a personal decision you have to figure out for yourself. But there are people who are happier when they don't go to college. Have, have you have you met people who have struggled with that kind of a decision? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Where, especially if you're quote unquote good at school, if you're somebody who maybe struggled with academics throughout school and you decide, oh, I'm not going to go to college, people are going to like, oh, I understand, you know, that might be not a great investment for you. But if you're someone who's quote unquote good at school, people are just like, well, why would you not go to college? So, yeah, it's, and it's very hard to explain to them this is maybe not what's going to serve me, do, serve me being exceptional in the areas that I want to be as going to college would be. Because we're very, again, our country and our society, we like paper and we like documentation. Like, you've gone, you've gone here and so you have this paper that shows that you know how to do this. And so we like, we like proof that we've reached benchmarks. And the idea that you're going to kind of step out of that arena and go do something else people have a hard time wrapping their minds around that yeah it's it's one of those things where um you you hit the nail on the head i think with where the world is very big on uh achievements and um accolades if -hmm. you will you know the the more degrees and letters you have behind your name and it's hard for us to realize that sometimes you know, you could be happier and, and maybe even making more of an impact in the world if you followed your heart and your gut versus what was already laid before you. I remember my medical school class, the way we started, we had a two-week class in embryology to start um, medical school. So before they had you take a whole bunch of classes all at once, they kind of eased you into medical school with embryology. There was a woman in my med school class who dropped out after embryology 
And I remember we were all just like, who does that? That's crazy. <laughs> and then a couple years in, we were like, she was so smart. <laughs> this is not for me. And of course, we were all like, that's whatever. But she knew. And I so, so just admire her for recognizing I don't need to do four years of this to know that I don't want to do this. I did two weeks and this is not for me. And, you know, it's very, that's very courageous of her. Yeah. Right? Because then you have, depending on your community and those around you, 99% of the time you can't avoid the talking behind your back about what you've done. Oh, yeah. Right? So I got to commend your friend. That's amazing. I mean, it's really interesting. To this day, I stopped practicing medicine five and a half years ago now. Okay. To this day, I still have people trying to talk me back into going into it. But you spent all this time and you spent all this money and you did this and you did that. I was like, I am very aware. Well, well aware. I was there. And this didn't work for me. And people cannot, it, it blows their mind. Like, so it's very, it's, it's interesting. It's, yeah. It's- and, and that's very true because I've, I've known lawyers who move away from the direct practice of law and people are like, wait, why you went to law school, you know, doctors who become uh, business owners. Yes. People are confused by that. Now you, you went in practice for six years. It's been five years since you've been out. You have people are still telling you, you know, go back. Do you regret having done medical school practice and stuff? Do you wish or ever think I should have, could have, would have if I was back then? I don't. One thing, when I left medicine and I tell people, my clients, anyone I talk to, don't necessarily follow my path, which was I left with no plan but I, the one thing I did tell everyone when I stopped practicing medicine is I know that when I get to the place where I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I will know why I went through the path that I went through. Because the whole, you went to school for so long and all that started back then. And my feeling was then and is to this day, I did go to school for a very long time. I did spend a lot of money and a lot of effort. And my thought process was that time and effort was invested so that I could have a life that I like. And if after all that I still don't have a life that I like, it behooves me to go somewhere else and try to figure out how to develop a life that I like. And having gone through medical training and all the nuances that are associated with that, I think it gives me a unique perspective, especially working with the people that I work with who are mostly um, women in healthcare, mm-hmm. I get it. Like They talk about this, the things that annoy them about work and about practicing medicine. I get it because I've, I've been there and I've, I've done it. And I think that there are plenty of people who coach and work in um, personal development who can help um, healthcare workers and people who work in healthcare. But I do find that people connect with me because they understand that I've been there, I've done it, and I get it. Yeah, there's something to say about um, getting help from someone who's your peer. Yeah. You know, and so you, you're helping these people, and I'm, I know your specialty is women in healthcare, but mm-hmm. do you mind if we take a peek into what you do and how you help? So yeah. what would a typical coaching session kind of be like? Well... So I kind of start 
all the coaching that I do is based on the idea, going back to the whole concept of fulfillment and satisfaction, and helping people get clear on what it is in all areas of their life that brings them a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction, and what are their values in life, and what are the main things that inform their fulfillment and their satisfaction in life. So the very first meeting I have with clients is coming up with a purpose statement that incorporates those things so you know, okay, when I'm making decisions in my life, what is that, where is that coming from? What helps me to make the decisions small and large in my life? So the very first thing I do with my clients is help them get clear on their unique purpose. And because I work with altruistic overachievers, everyone's always like, my purpose, everyone thinks their purpose is going to be to be of service, to serve. And I always tell them, you all say that, so it's clearly not unique to you. Kind of figuring out what is it that's unique to you that brings you that area of purpose. So and then in subsequent meetings, we identify, okay, what are your particular things that you, your goals, the results that you want to achieve in the different areas of your life, and what are the things that are of greatest priority for you to achieve results in these areas um, of your life and help them come up with strategies using that purpose. I always, I, I have kind of a concept that I call the um, five essential strengths to simplify self-care because what I find is a lot of times coming up with strategies that support self-care, one of the biggest obstacles to starting is that people think it's going to be complicated. And if you've already got a really complicated life, you don't want anything else that's going to be a hassle. So we try to figure out, okay, how can we make this as simple as possible? So we take a look at your life and the different areas of your life where you want to make a change and have an honest reflection on what's going on in that area. Not what you want to be, but what truly is the truth in that particular area. And then from there, okay, this is what what is that I don't like. Get clear on what specifically do I want to have happen in that area. Once you get an idea of what it is you want to have happen, go back to that purpose statement. Get clear, what are my priorities in all these different areas of my life and how does that mesh with the, the goals that I have. And then from there, start coming up with possible strategies to achieve those goals in a way that's aligned with your purpose. But that simplification process is really starts with putting policies in place in your life that allow you to implement those strategies. I remember having a client who she wanted to start exercising. This is not uncommon. A lot of people they want to start exercising. Sure. And sure. It was gonna be a hassle to I gotta get clothes, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And then we realized she had this bus ride from her parking lot to her building at work on the way there and on the way back. And if she would write down a list of the things that needed to be done when she got home on her bus ride from her building to her car, she could come, she could, she didn't have to go home and start thinking about what am I going to cook, what I'm going to make, what I'm going to do this. She could kind of um, streamline her things at home so she could get to bed earlier. She would lay out her clothes at night before she went to bed so that there was not that to think about when she got up in the morning. And so then when she got up in the morning, she had had a good night's sleep and she had her clothes laid out. Like little simple things like that that seem 
overwhelming, but just putting those simple little policies in place that streamline the things that have to be done in your life anyway, mm-hmm. help support those self-care strategies that people are trying to implement. Do you find that by implementing small changes mm-hmm. can make a pronounced difference in someone's life? I mean, once they've identified what, the, what they're looking for? Absolutely. And again, it kind of goes back to knowing what works for you and doing that examination of your life. It's implementing the small changes that are meaningful for you. So I could say, like, I like kale smoothies. I eat kale sm- drink kale smoothies every day. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if I told someone, drink kale smoothies every day and they hate kale, that's not going to be something that's going to be good for them in terms of, like, you know, giving them fiber and giving them um, – you know, hydration in the morning because they don't like kale smoothies. That's not going to work for them. (laughs) Great. Good to know that that won't work for me. (laughs) So, but if they're trying to figure out, okay, what's the little thing I can do that's going to kind of give me some energy, give me some hydration, make sure I get enough fiber and they figure out what the thing is for them. Those little things. Okay. Then you're like in the middle of the day, you're maybe not as hungry. You're maybe not, which makes you not as grumpy at work, which makes it easier for you to get things done and to work with your, um, work with the people in your office and it's really interesting being being conscious of those things being conscious of the little things that you start implementing makes you more conscious of other little things and just making other small little tweaks that ends up making a big difference because you do you have more time you feel better and have more energy you are able to get more sleep, which again makes you feel better and have more energy. So it's just these little changes that build up to make huge um, difference in people's lives. Do you find that the people that that come to you for for help, for realization, to, mm-hmm. to becoming happier and finding more peace within themselves, do a lot of them find that they they do a one eighty somewhere in their life, or is it just small things necessarily? It tends to be small things, I will say. It's generally not – I've had – it depend. well, I'll say it depends. For some people, they come to me saying, okay, I know I want to completely change the trajectory of my life and do a completely different kind of work. And for them, that is the focus. And so they come in expecting to do something completely different. For some people, it's just – I just don't like my life exactly how it is and I know something needs to be different and I'm not sure how to make that happen. And for them, it's they. I get the feedback like I didn't know exactly what was going to happen when I started working with you. I just knew I needed to do something and I just feel so much better about it. And it's one of the best compliments I can get from clients is they'll say, oh, I had this issue and I decided to do this, this and this. And this is something I never would have even thought of. You know, this wouldn't have even um, come into my mind before I started working with you. But now, again, these altruistic folks who never think of themselves, they consider themselves and think of what works for them. And that helps them make a decision that works best for everyone in their lives. And they're able to see that now. Do you find that when they do that, or, or maybe you've gotten feedback or you've seen it yourself, that there's a ripple effect? Meaning... Yeah. In the people out within their life? Oh, absolutely. I remember one client, she was just like, my husband, you know, my husband can tell that I'm happier. We get along so much better now. You know, it wasn't like they were having problems, but it's just one of those things where, you know, 
when you're when you're happy, you you get your relationships improve. Uh, one client, she was like her her husband um, noticed it at work. Her supervisor was just like, I can tell that you know you are taking charge of things, and I can see that you something's different. And so yeah, even people who didn't even necessarily know that this person was in coaching could just tell that something was different. And was that individual doing small things, small changes? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, just small change. And the main thing she said was just it was just kind of being clear on the things in her life that were purposeful for her helped make it so much easier for her to make decisions because she didn't have to think about. She didn't have to. It wasn't like, oh, should I do this? Should I not do that? Should I, you know, what's the best decision for me? It was okay. I have these options. Which of these options is most aligned with my purpose? And it just made it easier for her to. There was there wasn't the anxiety of am I making the right decision? It was I recognize that this is the thing that is most aligned with my purpose and my priorities, and so I'm going to go in this direction. And that just it's it it is such an energy saving um, entity. So, examining life or your yes. life, or however it is, making small changes. These, these are these the two things that people should be doing. Is there anything else? One thing I always recommend for people is being fully present. What do you mean by that? Being fully present in every moment, instead of again because we're always like okay, thinking of the next thing, thinking of the next thing rushing through every moment so that you can get to the next moment, that is a useful skill at sometimes when you're just kind of in the midst of just nonsense and you're just trying to just just burrow through. But being present in the moment helps you to recognize when good things are happening. That was one thing I had a client who she was she had she was saying that she loved ice cream. Like she would go get ice cream like at the end of her work day because she hated her work day and she would go get ice cream. And she realized over time when she was more present in the little good things that happened in her life instead of rushing past them but actually kind of taking them in and recognizing them and taking joy in the little things, she had much more little – she recognized all the areas of joy, little joy that happened throughout the day. So she felt less need to go get the ice cream at the end of the day to have that – joy in her life because she was having little happy moments during the day. So when you're present in every moment, you're able to recognize the happy, the little moments of joy that happen during the day instead of rushing past them. And on the flip side, you are able to recognize when the situation that you're in is not optimal for you. You are less able to convince yourself that, oh, this isn't that bad. If you're really present and is really not good, you can say, okay, I need to start making changes such that I can have more joy in my day. So that's what I mean about being present in every moment. Would you say that there's a time and place for multitasking then? Um, let me, what do you mean by multitasking? So I am notorious for working as I watch TV and <laughs> saying that I'm relaxing by doing that. And my friends make fun of me for it, but I'm always busy. I'm always working on something for the for chasing dreams or one of my other businesses, but you know I say I'm decompressing at the same time by watching TV. I would say there are some tasks that are mindless tasks, and you can get them done while working. Well, while 
if it's not something that you are interested in getting done in an efficient manner, then sure, and you want to watch TV and you want to get it knocked out, yes. I would say, though, if you're trying to get things done efficiently, generally focusing on it and getting it done and then relaxing tends to get the task done more quickly and then you can fully relax. Interesting. I'm going to try that out. (laughs) That's going to be different. (laughs) (laughs) That works out for you. (laughs) Yeah, I I will. I'll be like, huh, let me try that as I edit some some things today. (laughs) So, Jazzy, one of the things we do before we close out is kind of give you a chance to share your corner where we ask, what is one piece of advice, a book, a reference, a quote, or something that you would recommend to someone who's chasing their dreams? So one thing, people ask me all the time, what is the thing that you know you would tell everyone to consider? And because every, everyone's really busy, everyone has a lot of things going on every single day, I, I like to encourage people to give themselves, not so much give themselves a break, but just kind of be honest about where you are on any given day. And one of the things I encourage people to do is when you wake up in the morning, before you even get out of bed, ask yourself, what has to happen for me to be today's best version of myself? Not the best version of myself, but today's best version of myself. Recognize maybe you only got four hours of sleep last night. So that six hour, I mean, that six mile run might not be aligned with today's best version of yourself. So be honest and be gentle with yourself every single day and say, and say what has to happen today for me to be today's best version of myself. And when you do that, would you recommend cutting back on things, pushing back or? Or is it just recognizing that one is more important than another necessarily? And again, I get, it kind of goes back to that whole like priorities and purpose is if you have you, everyone, we all tend to have these lists of things that we want to do every single day. And going back to that six mile run, if you say, okay, I want to do the six mile run. Think about what is, what is my reason for wanting to do the six mile run? Am I doing the six mile run because I'm training for a marathon Am I doing the six-mile run because I feel like that's going to be a healthy thing to do? Let's, let's take that. If it's supposed to be something that's healthy for me to do. Okay. Would it be more aligned with my purpose and my priorities to maybe go for a shorter run and then rest and relax and, because I've only gotten four hours of sleep versus would it be more aligned with my priorities and my purpose to go for that six-mile run? And be honest with yourself. And again, everyone's different. For some people, doing that six-mile run might actually be a relaxing thing. But for some people, you maybe need to take, that might be a day that you say, I'm going to take a break, do a shorter run, maybe even skip the run and just sleep. And tomorrow, I'll go for my six-mile run. Just kind of taking note of the signs from your body that tell you what's going to work best for me today. That's great advice. Um, I I hope you guys are listening. That's very smart advice, especially when you're trying to find that peace within yourself. Thank you. No, thank you for coming on the show and sharing that. I hope your, your words of wisdom are something that dream chasers can implement because it's, it's across the board. It's something we can all do. And I think 
you are doing a great job in helping others and I hope and wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And it's been such fun talking to you today. Thank you once again to Jatu Sinisi for coming onto the show and sharing those words of wisdom about how we can find peace and happiness in our life and in our dream chase. So if you can't remember what she said, or if you want to check out her TED Talk that she gave and all the links that may have been mentioned, check out ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 28. That's episode 28. So until next time, guys, examine your life, make small changes, and be present in the moment and keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Chasing.